0: I'm Charles Epting from H.R.
1: Harmer in New York City. And I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. So, Charles, do you want to tell everybody who our interview is with today?
0: Absolutely. I think today's will be uh, will, will be a really neat one. Today's guest is Pierre Wertheimer, who is a veteran stamp dealer. He's been in the business since the 1970s. Um, uh, he, what's interesting about him, I think, particularly in these um COVID days when nobody's traveling across the Atlantic he's done a lot of business both overseas and uh, you know he's from France originally and that's where he mm-hmm. cut his teeth and then um I know he did some work in the UK and all over Europe um but he currently lives in the States and, and that's where he works out of now so I think it'll be interesting again in lieu of anyone being able to to travel to stamp shows these days right. um I think it'll be interesting to to hear you know somebody's um, uh, you know, recollections about what it's like on both sides of the Atlantic. And then again, he has been doing this a long time, certainly, bump, you know, uh, bumped into a lot of great people along the way. And I think a lot of some great stories.
1: Yeah. I've never met him personally, but I, I've seen him on social media. I've seen him, uh, posting a lot of stuff. He's very active.
0: It's been a couple of years since I last saw him at a show, but I have email, Facebook, you know, phone calls. We, uh, we, you know, it, it's, um, Again, I haven't seen him in person in a while, so it would be good to, to get him on, on here on Zoom. But, um, but, but yeah. again, he's a super nice guy and, and certainly um, a, a wealth of stories and such.
1: That's what this is, uh, this is all about, is just reconnecting with people. Let's get him on. Yeah, absolutely. Here we go. Hi, Pierre. Hello, Michael. Hello. Nice
0: to, uh, Hello. Nice to finally meet you face-to-face.
1: Nice to finally meet you. Yeah, same here. So and thank you for joining us. This yeah, is, uh,
0: absolutely. I, I was excited when I got your email. You're you're a perfect fit for uh, for what we're doing.
2: Well, I, I, well, I, I really wanted to congratulate you to for doing this. I think it's a uh, it's a fantastic project, and you know I really need to congratulate you for what you have accomplished. You know, with looking at uh, the episode where you present yourself, and you know it, it's it's very impressive. Uh, how do these things happen it's incredible yeah it's, yeah, it's, so.
0: it's, it's been it's been a fun journey so uh yeah. no we're yeah. again we're, we're we're excited to have you on and uh and and hear a bit about your story and your journey in the hobby as well
2: yeah absolutely yeah and you know you know michael i pull, i full you know i was pulling a novel spirit up y- yesterday online I, <laughs> you know you are the the <laughs> person on eBay, obviously, and it's you know having 20 employees is something that
1: is yeah, it's impressive. It's been um, it's been rough to handle during the during the pandemic. We've got a lot of people working from home, but uh, but luckily we've been able to to uh to manage it. Yeah, but um, yeah. did, how how have you been doing?
2: Well, you know, for me, it's, I'm kind of pre-retirement period, <laughs> and I turned 65 in October, so I'm still considering uh, looking at what I can do. You know, you probably learned uh, that I was, uh, I'm now the representative for uh, the U.S. and France for David Thelman in Geneva. Mm-hmm. So
3: that's Congratulations.
2: Something that's, that's something new. That's something exciting. That's something I'm, I'm working so... No, it's fun. You know, we, uh, I, the fun thing about this business is that we all work completely different. We all do things completely different. What Michael does is completely different than what you, Charles, do on a daily basis. And that's what makes this business very really interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. So
0: for, for, for those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the hobby and then maybe how you got involved in the professional side of things as well?
2: Well, in the hobby, I started at age six. Uh, my father had uh, an office on Avenue Matignon, which is uh, not too far from the stamp market. And he worked in the commodity business, more precisely the sugar business. So they used to receive mail from all over the world. So every, every evening, he would come home with like a you know, bunch of covers like this. <laughs> So I, you know, I remember, you know, these were the days where you, they were stamps on the mail, and pretty stamps yeah. on the mail, mail from all over the world. So that, uh, I started with stamps and, you know, I, like most kids, we start, I started with a worldwide collection. And then I became more specialized and I had a French collection. You know, like people here have a U.S. collection. They go from a worldwide collection to U.S. collection. So, I, I guess, you know, after a certain age, I started going to the, the famous open-air stand market in car. And uh, the Carrier marini has, you know, two parts. You know, it has one part it the established dealers. And that, you know, during the when I started in the 60s and 70s, you know, you might have maybe over 50 different dealers that would set up every Thursday, every Saturday, and every Sunday. So that's where I bought some of my stamps. And I don't know, I don't, uh, if you see the poster behind me, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. And see, yeah, you can see how the stamp market looked at the turn of the century, the 19th century. Uh, you know, it was. You know, people had stamps on chairs and people dressed exactly like the way they <laughs> now, uh, would buy. And, uh, in fact, that's, I use the same image on a postcard in my new group of uh, veteran stamp dealers. Here's a picture which that was taken in 1900. So the two parts were, uh, the parts where I started trading was called, uh, Les Pieds Humides. So why the PSU meat is it basically means the wet feet. Uh, wet feet is because, we, you know, as you can see behind me, you know, have chairs. You, you know, you didn't have anything covering you. So if you drew into the rain, you would get your feet wet. That's <laughs> was called the so most, uh, A lot of the stand dealers uh, stopped at the PSU and either graduated to the part of the stand market that was where you had the booth, or they graduated to a store, uh, usually in the Rue uh, de area, which is the middle of the same District of Paris. And, uh, you know, I, I, I sent you, I, I guess I sent you the link, but uh, this sand Market has been immortalized by uh, the famous movie Charest in 1963 with Catherine Fernand. And uh, you know when I see this movie, I you know I love this movie. It speaks to me. I, I remember the merry-go-rounds, and I remember the the puppet show. I remember and it looks exactly the way it you know looked when I as I remember in 1963. I, have you ever been to Paris? Have you ever been to the time Market, One of you.
0: No, that's that's a big one on my bucket list. Paris is one of the one of the last major European cities I haven't been to yet, so I'm
1: I'm dying to get there. I I got okay. to Paris once after the uh, the Monaco show in 2017. We had a connecting flight through Paris, and we stayed there for my wife stayed there for three days. But I don't we didn't get to visit too many uh, too many stamp related uh,
2: uh, well, places. You know when. Uh... When we talked about this interview, I told you that I wanted to discuss a a little bit about the difference in dealing on both sides of the Atlantic. And I Mm -hmm. think the big difference, to start with, is that uh, in Europe, you have stamp store. Yeah. Uh, You know, they have completely disappeared in, uh, you know, we have have one stamp store left in New York. Uh, There are a few spread around the country, but you know, it's still the place to go for stamp collectors in, uh, in France, in Germany, in Switzerland, in Italy, everywhere in Europe. So, you know, uh, when, you know, the, I, I watched most of the episodes that you had on uh, so far, and you talk a lot about stamp shows, and stamp shows are not that important in, in France, but in other countries in Europe, because people don't really need the stamp. They go to the you know the dealers in the stamp. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun because, you know, you go, you, go, you sit down, you talk to the dealer. Uh, usually, you know, you, you browse what they have, they know you. As part, you know, I created this group, Veterans Stamp Dealers, mostly because uh, most of the dealers in... Paris, and in Europe, generally today, we are all from about the same generation. We are all about, you know, all baby, baby boomers. We're all from 60 to 75 plus. You know, it's interesting. We all started at the same time. So when I go to Paris now, I go to uh, some stores and I just sit down and we, what we do is, you know, we, we speak about the good old days. You know, <laughs> remember when we could uh, sell this <laughs> about catalog? Remember? this guy?
0: I've enjoyed so the anyway. group very much. I, even though I wasn't around for, uh, you know, when you guys were all starting out, it's been a lot of fun to see the stories and even just see people reconnect in the comments who maybe haven't seen each other in 10 or 20 years and then yeah. somebody comments and somebody replies. And it's just fun to watch these little mini reunions happen online. Yeah. And, you
2: know, the, you know, in New York, there used to be Nassau Street. Well, that's part of my story. I visited Frank Nina in 1980 when I first came here. But, uh, well, that was it was really the end of Nassau Street. But, you know, the area in Paris is still very vibrant. And, you know, basically, you know, stand dealers are in each part of the stores all day long. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's, you have more of a sense of community uh, amongst them dealers. You know, we they, they socialize more, they play cards together, you know, and everybody closes at 12 and for two-hour lunch, they have lunch together. So, uh, you know, it's very, very different kind of, uh, of atmosphere, which is nice. But, you know, I, I like the, the American way of doing business, which is uh, maybe uh, more business-like, I think that basically a lot of the of the European dealers are more like craftsmen. You know, they have a crafting. You know, they sell you a stamp over the counter, but they're not into advertising. It's the old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. It's really very different, and it's changing with you know because people have to change. People now have uh, sell on eBay. People sell on their phone too. I'll give you an example, which is, I think, a very interesting example. There are some stand dealers in uh, Passage des Panorama, which is one of uh, one of the streets where a lot of dealers are. Um, we call them the twins. <laughs> they are twins, and they are both stand dealers. And it's like a central meeting point for uh, a lot of dealers in Paris. You know, it's like, well, okay, I'll meet you at the twins. And... They are very, very, very successful. You know, they made a lot of money. They made they bought a lot of the restaurant in the Passage de Panorama. But they still don't own a computer. Hmm. They don't own a smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> and there's you know, you have a you know, a desk and a couple of chairs in the, in their store. And you know uh, <coughs> so you, you know, it doesn't use his even a computer for, you know, it's bookkeeping. So it's, it's, it's amazing. Wow. You know, I, that's maybe one of the extreme, but it's, I think it's interesting to see that there are still people like this that uh, do business, in you know, the way yeah. business yeah. 50 years ago. So after, uh, so, uh, uh, well, another interesting story is, so, so I started visiting dealers at, you know, at the official parts of, uh, the stamp market, but I started in the other part where you can, you can still see on the poster there. In the 70s and 80s, it was very active with people trading stamps, with people selling stamps, and you, you would go and people would tell, look at you and say, give me stamps from there. And when I was 13 years old, I went with a stock book. I was there, all of a sudden I see another classmate his name is Marcel Gentil he's there with his brother he says to me you have to sell the stamps at one third gallon." <laughs> I said oh okay <laughs> you know I had no idea what price, what price I was going to ask for. but you know they told me so you know that was my first experience selling stamps so I probably sold for two dollars worth in the afternoon I was very proud so I was very happy in elementary school I have a picture where out of 30 pupils, three of them became stand dealers. Hmm. What is the chance of that happening? You know? right. Incredible. Uh, so that's, that was my experience in the STEM market. I would go back, I would buy large lots, I would buy, uh, uh, you know, I graduated to buying, you know, $100 lots or $1,000 lots, and I continued at the STEM. Until I uh, went to school, business school in Normandy. I went to business school in Rouen. And I uh, was an avid reader of the philatelic Porter, wholesale British uh, stand magazine. And there were a lot of people, uh, you know, selling packet material wholesale. So uh, I I started going to London quite frequently and by, you know, big stamps which I would tell mail order. And if you look at my biography on David element, it says, you know, I'm as comfortable as selling a rarity or a, a topical collection or a truckload of stamps because I know a lot about, about you know, truckloads of stamps. Mm-hmm. You know, you stamps that you buy by the truckloads. So that's where I learned when I was in school. And... In 1976, when I went out of business school, I was in the Air Force, but I was very lucky to stay in Paris. So uh, I created my first company uh, with a friend. We opened a stamp store in Paris, which was called République And so I would spend the day at the uh, at an office at the Air Force in Paris. And in the evening, I would go to the stamp store. And during the weekend, I would go to the stamp store. Even during the day, I was in charge of the office supply for the whole building of Air Force. And, but I, I would bring stamps to stores, at, you know, to store there, and, you know, the surgeon would come in and say, what are you doing with stamps again? <laughs> <laughs> so, quite interesting, quite funny. And after my time in the Air Force, my, I don't know, my father had decided that, I had to go to the US to get some kind of business training. So at the end of 1977, I started writing to a bunch of dealers saying, you know, can you employ a, a young man for six months <laughs> in your business? And so I was in January of 1978, I was, I was in New York, with you know, I was staying with relatives in Queens. And I started going around to visit the sand dealers that I thought either I could do business with, or that would want to hire me. Which was kind of awkward because you know you you don't really go to a sand dealer and say do you have a job for me. You know it's not a, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, not the, usually the way it works. So you know it was it was uh, fairly awkward. But in any case, I went to the solo and you know the old. Uh, older school was still in business and you know i was saying you know can we do some business and, and now yeah. germans come here they buy everything i don't need anybody from france to buy sense for me why don't you go to speak to you know frank nina is uh he has tuesday club where you might meet somebody so i went to visit frank nina I don't know if you ever heard of Frank Nina, if you have. If Frank Nina. Uh, okay, we are going to talk about another wholesale publication that disappeared, which was called the Stamp Wholesaler. And Frank Nina had a, had a page in every, uh, I think it was a bi weekly magazine, a magazine. And the, the title was uh, Bhutan Agency on uh, 98 Nassau Street. No, but we have the largest stock in the world. And uh, we were talking, and uh, during the conversation he, said, he looked at me and said, you look like you want to work with a company, and I know somebody that is looking for an assistant. So I'm, I'm not going to name the company, but they're the largest new issue stand dealer who had, at the time, maybe, I don't know, 40 employees in the retail section and 10 employees in the wholesale section, also started a small auction business. So I went there and I had an interview with the owner and then he gives me, uh, he gives me a Scott dialogue and he gives me two, uh, from the group type, the French colony. So as you know, the, uh, like, for example, Guadeloupe is not on the G the Scott Gall just after France. I had no idea, <laughs> so I got <laughs> I completely got lost, so I failed the test, you know I said and and, and then the other part of it, the the guy told me, and you know I, I, w- I wish he had told me the uh, about those stamps, you know. Don't you think there are forgeries? Yeah, and I, you know, I looked at it and said, yeah, yeah, there are four near forgeries. You know, I can't I know, describe the way you, you, could, you could see the difference. But that, that, the bottom line is that the, at the end of the conversation, you know, he was not going to hire me. And I said, you know, why don't I work two months free? And uh, I will have two months to learn how the Scott Catalyst. So that's how I, I learned the Scott cat. So I worked for one year about for this company, uh, more than one year, and I met Alice, my wife, in January of 1979 in New York. I went back to France with her to visit in March of 79. We got engaged in June of 79, and, you know, we got married in November of 70. But in March of 79, I called the company. I said, Well, you know, I can't get the right papers to work for you. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I can't work for you anymore. So I started to work for myself and I created the, 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 my first company, which was called uh, France International. You know, I was very lucky. You know, staff. Market was really different in the 70s. And I remember keeping a lot of German stamps that I didn't sell. And I put it in a state deposit box. out the next year it was worth twice the price. Uh, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, stamps yeah. would go up, 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 up. You know, so it was, it was much easier to make money at the time. So uh, it was a good start for me. But, you know, yeah, I still had to establish a clientele. So at the beginning, I was I did what a lot of people were doing, which was uh, buying stamps and in the U.S. and uh, you know, French stamps, German stamps, Australian stamps, and selling them to exporting them. You know, and we would follow you know the buying price in the Deutsche Briefmarken in and the Australian magazine, and we will sell it you know, highest either as uh, the highest buyer. Which so, was, if, it was, if,
1: if you don't mind, that, that makes a, a perfect point. Can I, can I ask you about, um, you've just been a, appointed, what, the consignment director at David Feldman?
2: No, they really wanted me not to be an employee. In fact, my contract is not even an Asian contract. It's an introducer agreement. Mm-hmm. So, uh, basically, I'm the representative for them to find material, both in the U.S. and France.
1: Okay, so that yeah, that that speaks perfectly to that. How is that going? How has that been with the shutdown? Usually, I'd assume you you travel to go see these collections, but now
2: yeah, but it's you know uh, well, I think Charles knows more about you know opening confinement than anybody else <laughs> here, but you know it's 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 a process. You know, yeah. you you get in touch with the people you know, and you try to. Meet different people, and one person will know another person. You know, it's not easy to find good collections for confinement as right. Charles probably know. But this morning, I was offered a uh, eight-figure, uh, so eight-figure is more than ten million dollars, right? <laughs> uh, start of stamps uh, for sale. So you know, it's going to be hard because you know nobody. In the world now, can buy a ten million dollar inventory. There is no customers for But you know, we'll we'll we we'll, we'll try, and maybe something will happen. You know, it takes time to have you know in, you know important collection. And you know, I don't really need it. I you know, it's not. Like it's more fun for me. It's you know, I can I could retire today and play golf. But you know, uh, I'm not the you know, I'm. Like most stamp dealers, uh, most stamp dealers are sixty-five. They don't say, "Oh, great! I'm sixty-five. I'm finally I can go fishing." Right. You know? <laughs> 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 they right. still want to play with stamps.
3: Of
1: course. So
2: whether you are a stamp dealer, you know, you sell on eBay. Everybody is still busy with stamps. You know, my new role is going to be uh, interesting. I don't know. You know, I don't know how successful I'm. Uh, you know, my philosophy has always been, you know, uh, try, you need to try 10 things. If you try 10 things, one thing might happen. Mm-hmm. If you try zero things, zero things will happen. So, you know, <laughs> so that's hey. one of the, you know, I have tried many other things during my, my, my business life. And this, you know, uh, somebody, I, I personally, it uh, somebody come match. Oh, well, this is a coronation of a long stamp career. You know, I feel kind of, you know, it is kind of a a nice way to, if it works out, a nice way to to finish my temporary and to mm-hmm. you know uh, be in touch with important collectors in important elections to to you know meet more people like you, more sand dealers. So we'll see what happens. So yeah, it's been
1: a it's been a long journey for you, and, and it seems like a lot of it was fueled by these these stamp shops in Europe, uh, keeping you engaged and and everything like that. And they, they're quite different from the, the stamp shops that are, that still remain in, in, um, in America. I know a lot of the ones there's, uh, what is it? Champion in, in New York city and one left in New York. And there's some in New England, but the majority of the stamp shops in New England, unfortunately are coin shops that just happen to have some stamps as well. So do you think that the shows in America being so, predominant compared to the stamp shops europe have do you think they have more collectors that are engaged because of the stamp shops compared to the united states
2: Uh, probably because it's you know it's quite easy to go it's to just go into a stamp store and to look around and it's not as intimidating than uh, Mm i think going to a a stamp show where, you know, you're for the booth. You have to have some idea of what, you know, if you're a beginner, a beginner, you have to have some idea. And I think that the, you know, it's, it's a pity that the, all those stores, because they were, all these dealers were really the, the, the driving force behind a lot of, of, of big collectors, you know, small, medium, and very large especially people of my generation, which, uh, unfortunately, lots of uh, big segments of the collecting population uh, are used to go to the store. And, yeah. and, unfortunately, also, a lot of the stores are going to close down because, you know, business not used to be and uh, they cannot sustain a store with the amount of business they have. Or they... Uh, and, in addition to is an additional factor. You know, for two months it cannot work. So I know that two dealers are being. Few friends might be out other business soon because, you know, they, they were, they had a store. They didn't care. You know, they would sit in the store. You know, whether mm-hmm. they made, uh, whether they made uh, sale or not. You know, they made a lot of money before. So you know, but they still had fun and they were staying
1: So do you think with with that the that shows will increase in places like Germany, France, Belgium? Or do you think as, as stores decrease, shows will increase? Because that certainly seems like what happened in America.
2: Um, I don't think so because, you know, I think in Europe, we don't have the same tradition of having 10 shows the same weekend right. every, every weekend in, uh, in some place in America. It doesn't exist mm. in most European countries. You know, in France, you have uh, basically two major shows: one in uh, November, one in March. Uh, and then you have some local shows. And most dealers that I know don't don't go to the small local shows. You know, if they want to you know, if a person really wants to do business, they either write to the person in Paris or they will travel. To. Yeah so no there's there's not the same tradition and I, I listened to in fact to your podcast this week and, and you said, I can't wait until the show starts again <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I you know it, it doesn't have a even for me uh, who lives in America and does business in America I don't go to
3: shows
2: right so I uh, love you know I think that a lot of me, me I, I, listening to your the podcast so far, it, you know, I had the feeling that you could, that every stand dealer in the, in America would go and do shows. And I, that's just part yeah. of as stand dealers, you know. In the 80s, I used to do two shows uh, a year, the two New York shows. In the 90s, I did uh, uh, all the international shows, you know, I am talking with... Uh, 1989 at the Paris International Shows, uh, and then every year, you know, there was a show somewhere around the world. You know, in, in Italy, in Great Britain, in Japan, in Korea, in, in Taiwan, etc. In Australia, I did all these shows. But you know, I'm not a, well. First of all, I'm, I I don't have the inventory. I mm-hmm. never had inventory that corresponds to a show dealer. If you are a show dealer, you have to have a little bit of everything. Or you have to have U.S. and something else, uh, or just U.S. me. If you if you are like me, you know, you know during you know, during the period, of my you know I had two two businesses, France International from 1979 to 2001, and from uh, the mid 80s to 2001, my main specialty was uh, were topicals for advanced collectors. So. You know, the it's a limited clientele. So if I go to a show in Charlotte, North Carolina, I'm not going to find anybody interested. I was not going to find anybody interested in what I have. Hmm.
3: Uh
2: so and you know, you have a lot of other dealers like in the last twenty years where they they have changed from price base, they have changed to in the way that they have a presence of a website, a presence on the internet, or they you know, like Michael does it on um, on eBay or .com or whatever, my view of shows and your view of shows are both were They're really different. very different.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so does that? Oh, go ahead, Charles.
0: Are you sure. I, I was going to say when, when you mentioned topicals very briefly, we've talked a lot about dealing and, and that side of the the hobby, but you're also a uh, collector yourself. You've got quite an accomplished uh, topical collection. Can you talk about that for a few minutes?
2: well i wouldn't qualify it as a very accomplished collection, but i have a collection i, I, I collect the <laughs> i collect the eiffel tower and i uh and the reason why i and recently i had i had a post on this people asked me why do you collect the eiffel Tower and I film to a French group i said well uh, i was born in paris <laughs> i spent my youth in paris you know Well... <laughs> better topic than the Eiffel Tower, you know, and uh, and first, you know, as you start to read about the Eiffel Tower, it's, it's really a m- an incredible marvel of ingenuity, you know, it was built in two years and there was not one death, not one death it was like, you know, inc- incredible, really incredible accomplishment uh, for the You know, as you know, it it was opened for the 1889 word Fair. So it's, and what's the other reason why the Lady Eiffel Tower is that I can find material from the 19th century, from the 20th century, from the 21st century, which is nice for the article collection, you know, to only limit yourself to a certain period of time. And I have written an article on my collection, but, you know, I've never taken the time to exhibit it to Put it together. Uh, maybe it will happen in the uh, p- post pre retirement time, <laughs> but uh, it will happen one day. You know, it's fun. It's fun. It, I have, I, I, there's nothing really extraordinarily expensive in my collection. And so, but I think that, which I think, you know, uh, is a nice thing about topical stamp collecting is that you don't really have to spend a lot of money to have a really a nice collection. I recently bought uh at an auction a collection on lighthouses which obviously was made by a young person. It has, you know, it has sixty pages. You know, most of the items are below a dollar or even even covers, you know, they most of the items and you know, it does a very nice, interesting story to tell about lighthouses. You know, if you do a collection on, on baseball, you can have a very nice collection. But at the same time, you can buy a waterbury very baseball cancellation and spend twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So, uh, so there's room for everybody.
1: So, is it just the stamps, or do you collect covers with cachets for uh, with the um, Eiffel Tower on it as well?
2: Uh, uh, without caches, uh, well, cachets, well. First of all, people don't collect cachets in, in France.
1: a <laughs> 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 stark yeah, difference between that, the American collector and the, and yeah, the European you know, collector. Yeah,
2: that's another difference between you know people. I would say you know the people you know you know you, we have. A, I, I spoke recently to a collector of uh, uh, American Thursday covers, and I said you know we talked about You know, cachets are American. You know, we. Mm-hmm. we and nobody in Europe collects cachets, and, 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 and you know I, we were talking about Armour's uh, collection of first covers that you saw recently, and you know these things bring big money, you know, the,
3: yeah.
2: and you know up to thousand dollars or more. But it doesn't exist. But to re- answer your question, there, I, I have much more than just snacks I have, uh, which makes uh, uh, topical collecting very interesting. I have. I have telegrams, I have meter cancellations, I have free frank cancellations, I have World War I uh, covers, I have World War Two covers, I have proof, I have essays, I have all kind of things. And that, uh, when I was involved in topical collecting, that's really what I, I, I loved, you know, because I was, uh, you know, I was dealing with all kinds of different, you know, from encased postage stamps to telegrams, to more already with advertising. You get involved with really all kind of material that uh, most dealers don't usually deal with because you know they, they, they are more country oriented but I am more being topic oriented. you, you know, it's my, my best joy ever. Is, um in this business was when I would get a piece, uh, an item, and I said, "Oh, this could be perfect for John in his collection." You know, so I would get just as excited as John when I bought the item, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I would send the item to John. So there is a lot of excitement. I I think you can get. You know, I I got to art um, go collecting by. Uh, by proof which is one of my uh, uh, my specialty area you know I started by attrition I guess I had become the leading expert of on modern proofs of front area so in uh, 1984 I started writing about proof mm-hmm. that you know I, I my my goal was really to make sure that everybody had same terminology and understood what because and that's the best thing I ever wrote, because, you know, instead of explaining uh, for 15 minutes what the diet group was, the collectors, I just sent the brochure and it was done. And this was translated in French in a, a, a Quebec publication. Oh, yeah. And, and it ended up, in fact, in the magazine for the show in 89 as the center So, and uh, more recently, I wrote, I've written articles about... Uh, about proof in uh, French magazines. I belong to a couple of groups on Facebook and we talk about proof, which is, you know, a very limited subject. But in the past 20 years, that has really become my specialty. You know, uh, speaking about shows, it wouldn't make any sense to go to a store in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and just sell French proof.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And it's, you know, Jean uh, Pierre Steffen, they were the two major dealers in proofs from the 70s to the two, year 2000. And uh, most of their inventory was, well, their inventory was sold through Sherrystone Auction, uh, a set of Sherrystone Auctions, where you know tens, thousands, and thousands of proofs had those hotel. Uh Well, that's that's really a very big interest of mine. I, I visited the print plant in France. I was able to touch the, you know, the, the, the press that does the dye proof. I was able to, I, I'm able to write articles. So part of my passion right now. And I also I feel that I have an obligation for the posterity to write about what I know, mm-hmm. because otherwise information is lost. Right. And, you know, maybe it's a good time to, you know, talk about veteran and the because that's the, the other thing I feel is very important, so I, you know. So, you know, I, I told you I created this group that was called veteran and You know, where did it come from? I created this group in January of this year. So we now have about 130 members of the critical group. And the mission of this group is to. It's open to stamp collectors, and it's open to stamp dealers. It's not only open to you know veteran stamp dealers. It's open to anybody. You can, uh, I think Charles is a member, in fact.
0: I am a member. <laughs>
2: <Andy>. <laughs> and what we talk about is dealers that had really an influence on us during our career. At the beginning of the conversation, I talked about Frank Nina, so. And you know, that's one person I can talk about. I can talk about... Unfortunately, I, I've talked about... And you know, I talked about my friend Peter Rene, which was an uh, Italian specialist who used to... I used to share both with him, unfortunately, he died in the 90s from cancer. But, and it, you know, I, I, I had, he obviously had a big influence on my career. Other people, you know, there is other people that... Uh, Jean-Philippe Kahlstein, who was uh, on Capilla in Paris, I wrote an article about him. He was uh, a topic, So he had really big influence. In so I think it's important to rec- recognize people that, you know, people like Tegel, people like Palmer, people that really made a difference in this business. You know, there's you know, Herman wrote about NASA. But nobody really did anything since then recognized recognize all the famous sand dealers, all the famous, or, or not famous, you know, uh, you, you know, you might have a small sand dealer that have, had, that have helped you in your stamp collection. Uh, I, I saw a show on NPR, uh, more precisely, I listened to a show on NPR. They interviewed a Belgian person and the belgian person was in charge of a monument of an american soldier and he obviously he had never met this person this person probably uh, you know fell during one of the battle in europe and one of the things he said was immortality only exists in the living memory so if we stop talking about somebody it, whether it's a stand dealer or a member of your family, that's when the person really dies. and that you know the first per- and everybody is immortal as long as we continue to talk about them. and that's really my goal with creating.
1: that's fantastic that's um I'm sure it's it's flourishing now in this in, in this uh pandemic and bringing a lot of people together, which is the exact mission of it that's that's great.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I try to see. I, I have, you know, thought-provoking questions. You know, last week I said, will you still be dealing in stamps if you made zero dollars? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a question, yeah.
2: I know a lot of people who more in Europe, maybe, the United States, they have stamps, but I know that they don't make any money. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, if you, if you consider that they probably lose 5% of their the value of their inventory every year, because that's the direction of the, you know, most spans, rare stance of postal history, you know, they, you know, they, they have a $500,000 stock, they, they lose $25,000 on their stock every year. More, you consider that they could invest a $500,000. So, you know, people, but, they, 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 you know, that's what they did all their life. So that's you know, they don't know anything but that's else, else. How they're going to do yeah <laughs> yeah so it's, it's interesting it's key you know, we had uh we spoke about uh, the Bear family in Paris so the Bear family in Paris which is the, probably the, one of the most famous dealer in France they've three generation working in this, working for the company and the oldest the, the oldest bear is 96 years. and every day he wakes up and he works on his camp and he has his whole routine during the day and you know I don't think he would know what to do with himself if <laughs> he was not working with his camp yeah. you know he's, he's really contributing to the business in some way uh, by, by you know the incredible amount of knowledge that he has
1: yeah. it really pulls you in as a hobby and it just does not let its, uh, its claws go on you
2: yeah i think that's you know for most people it's hard to stop well
1: charles
0: i was gonna say this has been fantastic this has been um again really fun and and i i think it's important uh to mention just once again how how much i enjoy again i've veteran stamp dealers on facebook for me is different because i don't remember most of the people who are being discussed and i see these names yeah. thrown around and maybe i've seen their name on an old auction catalog or a um, you know, a receipt that was tucked into a consignment or something. So w- when you talk about the the immortality of, of um, you know it only exists in, when we're talking about these people, um, at least for me, it's a lot of fun because, again, I didn't know Herman Hurst, but I've met so many people who knew Herman Hurst that I That's feel like friend. I knew him. and right. and the more, again, uh, i'm I'm probably one of the younger members of the Facebook group. and for for me, it's important to hear about these people so that I know who came before me. I know the legacy that I'm, um, you know, the, the footsteps that I'm following, in. so I, I, I want to thank you for starting that group. Um, hopefully, I can contribute to the immortality of a lot of these people. Even if I well, didn't know them, I can repeat the stories I hear, and I can, um, you know, help help uh, perpetuate their legacies.
2: Well, you can encourage, you know, the, the two former sons to talk about their father.
0: I've gotten lunch with Keith before and he's told me countless stories and one of these days as soon as
2: I yeah, yeah, get so back
0: to normal I'm going to I'm gonna take a tape recorder and uh, <laughs> um, you yeah, know, so th- pick you Keith's know, brain everything he has to say about yeah, his father yeah. so that's
2: the kind of stories I'm looking for you know? and, and, and I think that it's difficult for uh, people to participate because I think people are a little bit you know, they still they don't really write too well so they don't feel that they can so maybe you know it's people like you that have to be uh, in between the reporters we can we can
0: record the oral histories and everything yeah, and, and, right. and i hope exactly. that i hope, that, I hope the... that something that this this podcast becomes is a uh, a living record of Yeah, uh, I mean, you tell stories about people other people tell stories about the dealers that influence them and, uh, and, and, and you're, it's our, you know, me and Michael's generation, it's our responsibility to, to keep these yeah, people well alive. Yeah, well, I
2: think that's the wonderful thing about your podcast is that it's going to be there forever. And, you know, people are going, in. You know, we are just at the beginning. And, you know, we had the first uh, virtual stand shows uh, coming up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I spent only a couple of hours uh Looking at the APS stamp show, but I thought it was fantastic. You know, I I, 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 I was looking at an exhibit in the comfort of my office, drinking yeah. a cup of coffee, <laughs> going at the speed I wanted. You know, and uh, you can't do this at the stamp show. You you know you you are standing, you you get tired very quickly. Uh, <laughs> you know, you get engage with somebody else, but you, I, I think that the v- virtual stamp show, in terms of at least in terms of the exhibits, mm-hmm. is fantastic. That's, that's yeah. exceptional. It's like I, I can really spend as much time or as little time as I want on an exhibit. And you know, like I know that a lot of people don't even go to see the exhibit at a stamp show. Their main, their main thing is just to go to the stamp dealer. You know, you have a few people. Uh, and the judges looking at the exhibits. But I think that uh, people, uh, collectors, dealers, have a lot to say about their, their inventory, their sample collection. And you, by starting this uh, Zoom program, I think, have, uh, and the APS and other people, have really created something that very valuable. So congratulations you.
0: Thank you, thank, thank you, you. And, and and thank you for joining us. We, yeah, we really absolutely. appreciate right. having you on. And, you know, uh,
2: it's a lot of fun. I, I'm sure we could speak for hours, but uh, <laughs>
0: you're, you're welcome back anytime. We'd love yeah. to have you yeah. on again.
2: And well, we'll continue to see each other virtually, either by yeah. email or by uh, by Zoom or by phone calls. And I wish you a lot of success in your both in your businesses, which uh, yeah. I, I, I congratulate you again. Thank you. Thank you, you so far. thank you. thank you very much. Thank you. Thank this, you.
0: This, this, this has been really enjoyable. Again, we'll, we'll have you on again sometime.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you. you, so you. Bye bye. Bye. That was super interesting.
0: That was, that was great. Uh, again, um, you know, somebody who's got that much history and that many years of, um, of experience in the business. It, it, it's always great to hear from people like that.
1: Yeah, it it's, it's interesting to hear about the, the differences between American collectors and, and European collectors and, and the American dealers and European dealers. Just uh, on,
0: on this show, all, you know, we've been talking about when our show is going to come back. When, we never said when are the stamp store is going to reopen. right? But, right. You know, don't see them on you know, The shows are much more a part of our um, existence. You're so right, here, they're part in, of the, like, the, the lifeblood. Um, yeah. You know, in, in the European market is, is fascinating to me. That's mm-hmm. something I, I don't think about and I, I don't think you think about
1: either. No, I, I, you know, I was almost kind of ignorant to the fact that that most European collectors don't really—I I don't want to sound crass—but care too much about the the stamp shows.
0: In, in America, I, I, you know, we hear the story over and over that somebody went to a stamp show growing up. They went mm-hmm. to an exhibition, and that's how they yeah. got started. And it sounds like it's the exact opposite in in Europe, where the shows are. You know, not of the utmost importance with the exception of one or two big ones, but Mm -hmm. it's the local dealer. It's, you know, the the stamp shop where people really learn uh, the ins and outs of the hobby.
1: Yeah, and it was interesting to hear him talk about not only how that's how he got his hobby, uh, started in the hobby, but how they find that less intimidating that they can go in and talk to one person. And that kind of touches back on what Graham was saying, where you go and do a stamp show and it's just so intimidating. If you're it's overwhelming, it's right. Where, where do you even begin? Yeah, you're right. You see one man
0: behind the counter, you know exactly who you're going to talk to.
1: Right. Event. Right. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see how it, this progresses you know, it's, it's terrible to hear that he said a lot of them are struggling and they might not make it through the pandemic, but but he doesn't think that that the European collectors will then turn to to stamp shows. No,
0: so, it'll be, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see where things go.
1: Yeah, it, hopefully we can try and at least with his group with the veteran stamp dealers and and other things like that. He, he himself had had talked about how fantastic the APS virtual show was, yeah. and maybe that's what what we need to bring more european collectors towards um towards stamp shows and and seeing their their value because he he makes points you know no one's gonna travel to columbus ohio to to sell french you know proofs but they could offer them for sale on a virtual stamp show they don't have to leave their their home office so
0: exactly well this was great this was a lot of fun um i've you know as i think i mentioned in a previous episode i've been out of the office and out of the country for a little bit last yeah. uh, week and a half or so i was i was traveling overseas um so so it, it's good to get back in the swing of things and, and great to catch up with you and, and uh, great to talk to pierre as well
1: yeah yeah this has been uh this has been a lot of fun and, and next week i'm excited for that as well because we're talking to david ball of the american airmail society and
0: very involved in astrophilately and uh and and basically mail that flies uh from right. what i know that's his that's his forte is um uh, is, is arrow and astro flat. So that'll be a, a really nice conversation to have as well. And I, I think we may have uh, another mini episode in the meantime.
1: Yeah. We're working on a, a couple of them. We won't, uh, we won't say anything. We, we won't, yeah, they're and, yes. v- heavily under wraps, but <laughs> build the suspense. Uh, exactly.
0: Exactly. But, but, but again, D- David ball will be, will be great to talk to. I, we haven't had any, um, uh, airmail specialists on that's a, that's a new yeah uh, field for us. So that'll be, that'll be really cool. And in the meantime, people can subscribe, Um, On on YouTube.
1: Yep. And they can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Podbean. And, you know, there's random websites on the Internet that have our podcasts on them that I didn't even put there. So they just, just Google the it RSS just, feed or something. Yeah. Yeah. So literally other websites, uh, I don't even know the name, I've seen like five of them are taking our RSS feed and putting it on their website. Are they profiting off of us? Are they, <clears throat> we're not even profiting off of us. That's
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> um, we said if
1: they were profiting, we weren't, but, but
0: um, I, I love seeing that the YouTube numbers is uh, yeah. the, the subscriber number. I've, I'm, I'm humbled and
1: flattered and um, that's, it's pretty cool.
0: Um,
3: yeah
1: this has been a blast and and we're doing this to uh to connect with people and to and to exactly
0: this isn't about business or right you know, financial this is just a labor of love for us. this is just a chance to to chat with each other chat with some interesting people in the hobby yeah. um you know preserve their stories tell their stories it's been it's been really great so so youtube
1: um apple Podcasts, Spotify, Everywhere, Full I podcast. guess. Everywhere, yeah. Random and, websites that you can yeah, find. Random on websites and uh, our website now. Our speaking of the random websites, we've got uh, philatelypodcast.com dot com, flatlypodcast
0: dot so and at gmail.com dot com. Exactly. If anyone wants to reach out to us?
1: Which people have? I mean, that's that's where we're getting some of these interviews. If I had the login to log into the email, I might know that. But uh, I, I sent it to you. No, <laughs> <What> you did. <laughs> okay. um, well, we'll address
0: this <laughs> off camera, um, <laughs> but but dot but yeah, flatlypodcast yep. at gmail dot yeah,
1: and um, until next time, uh,
0: awesome, we'll uh, we'll we'll talk soon, yeah, see you then, thanks a lot, Michael, right.